keep playing. Just keep playing. We don't sing three songs on Wednesdays very often. I had to lean over to Mandy and say, are they singing three songs tonight? And she said, yeah. But just before they sung this song, I saw Jesus, and I saw him in a boat. And he told me, he said, I declared to the winds and the waves to stop. And they responded. Because they respond, they know who Jesus is. And lo and behold, they go into this song that talks about a Jesus that speaks to the winds and the waves. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life today. Jeremiah 30 says, but I will restore to you health and I will heal your wounds, declares the Lord. That means he spoke it out. If the winds and the waves respond and they stop, how much more does sickness have to bow at the feet of Jesus? How much more has he declared that the enemy is under your feet? Lord, my God. I called to you for help, and you healed me. What are you calling for tonight? We've been talking about simple obedience for the last several weeks. And in simple obedience, it means it's time to just begin to trust God. And if God said, I want to heal you, I've given it to you, it's already here, receive it. Receive it. It's already here. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to beg and plead. But receive. Stop begging. Stop pleading. And start receiving. Because he's already given it to you. So tonight, there's several of us that are out sick. There's several of us that are under COVID protocols that are at home. But I'm still standing and I'm still believing that they're the healed. I'm not begging God for their healing. I'm praying for their healing to be released. One of the things Manny and I have talked about, and Robbie's here tonight, that Robbie told me a long time ago, that if I want to start seeing healing in my own life, if I want to start seeing victory in my own life, pray for somebody else. The best way to release God is to pray for somebody else. So tonight, whatever family, their friends that you know of that are going through cancer, cancer's still under his feet. Heart issues, they're still under him. We still have power and authority through Jesus to lay hands on them and see them recovered, to see victory. COVID is nothing new. Jesus already has the answer. I'm not begging him for, God, come up with an answer, please. He's got the answer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will seek my face, he's going to respond. He's going to respond. So tonight, I want you to see that person that you're struggling with, that person that you're seeing that's having a problem physically, mentally. Maybe it's you. I want you to see yourself tonight as we pray. I want you to see yourself healed. 
I want you to see that God. That God that stands in the boat and He spoke to the winds and waves. He's standing in that boat tonight with you. He's not left you nor abandoned you. He's in the boat with you now. And He's saying, I'm spoken to the winds and the waves. They've responded. Now receive. Now receive. So, who were you standing in the gap for? Maybe it's for yourself. I want you to get a mental picture of that person. And now I want you to begin to pray. And I want you to see them healed, fully restored. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's got to be, it's got to be restored. It's got to be given back what's been stolen. So I want you to see it tonight. Now, Lord, we come boldly before the throne. Because you've told us, you've given us access to come boldly before you. And tonight, Father God, for those in our body that are going through sickness, that are at home or or have been in the hospital, in the name of Jesus, Father God, I pray that they rise up out of their sick beds. God, I pray that tonight, blood flow, it, it flows properly. Heart issues have to, the heart has to work properly because of your word, because of the word that you've spoken. Cancer has to bow at the feet tonight in the name of Jesus. We just simply believe and declare what your word says. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that we've already seen reports of cancer going into remission. We've already seen things of this magnitude happen. And we know it's because of Jesus. But it's just the beginning. Because we're just believing what your word says. We're declaring what your word says. Not what religions told us, but what your word says. We honor you tonight. And we believe the report of the Lord. And we stand on you, Jesus. Because it's your strength. It's your guidance. It's your direction. And you've already spoken to the winds and the waves. And you told them to be quiet. To stop. And you've already spoken to sickness. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. God is awesome. God is doing big things. If we'll just simply obey and simply allow him to move in us and through us. Tonight as we continue in our worship through our giving. As always, thank you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your investment here. To not only just pay for the light bill and all the other things. But to make kingdom advancements in our city. Man, thank you for, for stepping up and, and doing stuff physically with your, with your physical body. Thank you for coming last week and serving at the soup kitchen. It was an incredible time. Thank you for, for what you've done. Thank you for, for taking time out of your schedule. We'll have another one, I'm sure, later on this year. It's just scheduled through May right now. But know that what you're doing, God sees. Jesus sees. So thank you for always coming and, and serving in whatever capacity. Let's pray as the ushers come forward. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are blessing our homes, that you're blessing our jobs, that you're blessing our bodies with health. 
that 2021 is the best year we've ever experienced in, in health, in our homes, on our jobs. Thank you for what you're doing here in this house. I thank you for everything. We honor you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Man, there's a lot of things happening this Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon. We're going to have Pastor Lee here in the house that morning. If, you, if, you, if you're going through grief, that's, that's a silly question. Most of us in some way, shape, or form have gone through some form and are currently going through some form of grief. And sometimes, even as, as leaders of knowing how to help people get through those ideas, or family members knowing how to help family members get through that process, we get lost because we don't know what's going on. We don't know how to help. That's what this whole three-hour event is on Saturday, is to try and give us some tools how to help people get through grief. And even yourself, there'll be some time for prayer throughout the day. So if you, if you can make plans, we'll have some, some breakfast items in the morning. We're going to have a lunch that afternoon after it's all over with. So please make plans to attend. It'll be worth your while. It'll be worth your time. The very first weekend in February, the 5th and 6th, it's the women's event in Sherman, Texas. If you haven't signed up, we reiterate it one more time. Please go sign up. You need to sign up to be able to get into the door. There is no charge for the event. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for you guys to get to go uh, and be a part of it. Is it going to be broadcast? Yes. Okay. So if you can't be a part of it in the house, which it's always better in the house, but if you can't, you can log on online and watch it online. Uh, incredible worship, incredible teaching. Uh, that's going to happen during that, that two-day nighttime and then day event. So please make plans. If you're here tonight, you're in for a treat. We've got Pastor Robbie and Susan and Emily in the house with us tonight. So go get a cup of coffee. Check your kids in. We'll see you in just a minute. Hey, if you're checking your kids in or you're getting a cup of coffee, as always, please continue. Don't leave your kids in the foyer unattended. And I think we're doing, we're getting better and better at, at checking kids. And I'm excited tonight just to give a little backstory. Victory Life Church Ardmore itself, from the very first Sunday that we began to meet, is actually uh, in June, will be 11 years. So we've moved into this building on our 10-year anniversary roundabout. So we've been part of that for 10 years. But even before we met on Sundays, we met in the upper room. And I need the front row to stop talking, please. It's really distracting. How can people talk? Robbie, you're going to have to help me here. <laughs> anyway, we met upstairs um, in Johnny Green's house for, yeah, for 18 months. Um, in the middle of nowhere, if you never made it to Johnny's house, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
but it was surprising to see how many people finally got to the point and were willing to drive to the middle of nowhere, even at that point, to listen to Pastor Dwayne a week behind. Uh, because we had to wait on the DVDs to be produced from the Sunday service and sent to Ardmore. It was kind of a, it was always fun, it was always interesting. Um, to the point that we were upstairs and Durant finally decided to redo their, their sound system. And so they gave us their soundboard. Um, it was a soundboard that was about this big, and we only had three microphones. You know, I mean, it was a little bit of overkill, but it was given to us. But to start up there and to have children's church in, somebody, in Johnny's garage, things of that magnitude, to be where we're at today, Robbie and Susan are a key, integral part of why we're here today. It was, it was Robbie's yes to somebody telling him, go to Ardmore, and him saying yes to just be willing to come over and lead a bunch of crazy people uh, that he didn't know from Adam and Eve. And to be willing. <laughs> so, I think Emily must have gone to class. Okay. But if you don't know, this is Susan on the front row. This is Robbie's wife. Get to meet her. She can play the piano. Her and Mandy played the piano and sung together for years and years and years and years and years. Sorry. Yes, ma'am. What? This, she was the worship pastor. I did not give her proper. That wasn't Susan. That was my wife. So, anyway, this is Pastor Robbie. Robbie, I'm glad you're here. Are you on? Okay. And hello, you're on. There Go. it is. Yeah, that was quite an experience. <laughs> I had I was at a point in my life, and I said, "Lord, I'll never pastor again. I will never do that again. I will never lead a church again." <laughs> and this guy, y'all know him. I guess you're gonna. I guess you're gonna see him Saturday if you don't know him, uh, Pastor Lee. Pastor Lee came to me. They had already been meeting in Johnny's house for a couple of months. I don't know how long. And he came up, uh, over in his uh, unflappable way and pointed his finger at me and said, "This is yours, and you're going." <laughs> he gave me no choice, but it was the Lord. It is the Lord, and. We are so thankful to be here tonight. Uh, I know some of you have been praying for me recently. Uh, was really attacked right on the on the thirty first of uh, December, and I was sick. And I don't believe in being sick. I believe in being healed. I believe in getting people healed. I believe that the gospel is the healing message. That Jesus, everywhere he went, he healed. That's all. That's. You know, if you if you read the gospel, right, the four gospels, that's what Jesus did. That's what he spent his time doing. And <clears throat> that's what we need to spend our time doing. And there's, of course, a, more than just physical healing, but it was the dinner bell that uh, rang that brought everyone to hear everything else that he was saying. So, so if you have a Bible... Or if you have a an electro an electronic device, which uh, I think we're famous for here in Ardmore, there's always seems to me there's always been more electronic devices than uh, than the than the hard copy. And believe it or not, I do have hard copy, but 
I've been preaching out of phones and computers for uh, ever since we were in Eastland, Texas, which was, I don't know how long ago that was. I don't, uh, that's why God gave me a wonderful wife so she could take care of all the timelines and I could just, and I can just do what I do and I can study and, and try to help people. And if you have, so if you are, are turning and I haven't told you where yet, it's because I didn't know where till right now. So go to the book of Colossians to the second chapter. And the first verse, and, and, I, and I didn't finish my thought on, uh, thank you for praying. I was, Susan could tell you how long I was sick, four, five, six, 23, 48 days, I don't know. And <clears throat> it wasn't that long, uh, honestly, it wasn't. But I know that some of you prayed, where's, where's the free man? Is the free man in here? He's not in here. Oh, okay. The free man sent me a text. He said, get up and get out of that hospital. <laughs> so, yes, sir, I did shortly thereafter. And uh, the Lord is good, and he's always good. And um, so Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, have you found it? He says, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. It's a pretty long phrase. But it's very, very important. There are riches that God has placed in things that he has said. And understanding is how you mine it out. You have to find out what it means. He is not withholding the meaning from you. Everybody say, it's a mystery. But it's not a mystery from you. It's a mystery. For you, that God has kept, he kept it from the devil. First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 says that uh, if the devil had known, if the, if the uh, principalities and powers had known what God was going to do in Jesus, they would not have crucified him. Because God had a plan that was so outlandish that they couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Imagine that. So there are, there are riches to attain by learning to understand and finding the understanding of the things that God has done in the mystery of Jesus Christ. And it says there in verse 3, it says that in Jesus and the Father are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Look at uh, Mark chapter 4 verse 20. Mark chapter 4, this one wasn't on the list, neither was the other one, but Jeremy preached half my sermon, so I got to find another, <laughs> so I got to find another third here, where did I say, Mark 4 verse 20, 
Say, we're walking. How are you walking? How are you walking? You should know. I know you know. You're all mature people here. You are walking by faith and not by sight. We are not walking by what we see. If we walk by, if we were walking right now by what we saw, we would all go find a cave and stay there and never come out. But we are not those who will shrink back. And this is the, in the parable of the sower in the fourth chapter of Mark. It says, but these, verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Some people think that God is the one who decides, decides whether it's 30, 60, or 100. But I'm sorry that I break the news to you that it is up to you. And it is up to me whether I bear 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold. But the good thing is, is that God is not going to give up as long as you don't. As long as you won't give up, God won't give up. So the key word here is accept. There's a process called faith. The first part of faith is you accept what God says. Your pastor has just told you 15 times in the last few minutes, you have to accept the fact that Jesus wants to heal you. And I'm, and I'm going to take it, I want to go a step further. You know, whatever God does to you, you should know the answer to this as many times as some of you have heard me. He wants to do through you. If He's done it to you, He wants to do it through you. That's why you're supposed to study. Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. That's not just for Timothy's that are pastors. It's for every believer. Every believer should be studying. Now, you won't study as much as some others, maybe, but you have to study because you have to find out what things mean in this word. If you don't know what it means, you won't go as far as you can go. I won't go as far as I can go if I don't find out the meaning of what it says, if I don't understand what it says, if I just, you know, I. When I started out a long time ago, whenever that was, my wife was about, ooh, she was young. I better not even say that out loud because my daughter is almost that age. But we found out you've got to do something. You've got to, the first time we went to a, a quote, charismatic church that wasn't where we were going. We went there and we were early. I may be late everywhere else, but I'm early to church, even if I have to drive two hours. So I made it early tonight. But we, we went in and we sat down. We were with another couple and there was a lady in there. And she, um, she, she looked like there was something wrong. I didn't know what it was. And the Lord said, go pray for her. And I was new, and I was chicken. And when he said, uh, go pray for her, I said, well, what if it doesn't happen? I know none of y'all have ever asked that question, so don't implicate yourself. Uh, but I, 
I didn't do it. I disobeyed. I didn't. I just didn't get up and in simple faith go over there and look. I was I responsible for making sure she got healed? No, but I was responsible for my part, and my part is to lay hands on the sick and to expect them to recover. I believe she would have recovered if I would have just done it, and 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 the Lord has proved to me over and over again because after that I I was. I embarrassed myself between me and the Lord, and nobody else knew. Nobody else in the, in the room knew. Susan didn't know. My friends didn't know, but I knew. And so I began to meditate on that word, that Jesus, where it says, Mark chapter uh, 16, these signs will follow them that believe in the name of Jesus. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You have to think about it. You have to mull it over. You have to pray it back to God. You have to accept that it's true. Not when Jeremy lays hands on people do they recover, but when you lay hands on people recover. And so the whole imagine if the whole church if the whole church were a unit Everywhere we go, we're looking for, we're looking for, hey, are you sick? And I, and I do, I look for them, I look for them at Lowe's, I look for them at school, uh, everywhere, anywhere. I'm looking for someone that needs prayer, I want to pray for you, I believe Jesus will heal you. And I, in fact, I don't just really, I, it's more than believe, I know that he will. So as you accept the facts of the Word of God, you will begin to grow and then you will begin to understand. Acceptance is the beginning of understanding. And it is the process for faith. So you accept what God says. You believe it. You mull it over. You pray it. You do all those things. You begin to understand. And as you grow and understand, you will come to a place of deep, abiding trust and that's where God wants us to be is a place of deep abiding trust where we can be confident and I've prayed for people that have died and and that's you know that's very disheartening I didn't like it but I've prayed for a lot more that got healed than I have that passed out on into on into eternity So we have to believe that he will do it through us. You have to believe that he will do it through you. You have to accept it. And you, uh, (laughs) you know, and you may have to fail like I did the first time. Maybe not, but maybe so. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because God, because God loves you. He loves you so much. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you unconditionally. He cares about you in every way that you can imagine and most that you cannot. He loves you unconditionally. The problem problem with God loving you unconditionally, that's... That's the only way that he will allow you to love him is if you let him be unconditional in his love to you. 
That means no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter anything that's going on in your life, whether good or whether bad, it doesn't matter. You have to turn back to God. You have to turn back to the Lord because He loves you with that kind of love. I believe it's uh, 1 Samuel 13. It could be 12. It's either 12, 13 or 13, 12. But uh, <clears throat> Samuel was telling Saul, the king of Israel, he said, Saul, the Lord is taking the kingdom away from you. And you know what, Saul? He's going to give it to a man who will do, listen, all of my will and is a man after my own heart. You know what? You know when he said that? He said that before David ever, ever did anything stupid that he knew better than to do. But God said, hey, I've called you, David. You are a man after my own heart. I see you. He sees you and he has seen you from the beginning. He has chosen you because he knows you have a heart towards him. So never, never turn away from him, no matter what's going on. <laughs> see, Susan and I were having an in-the-boat uh, conversation on the, right before we came up here. and. And Susan said, you know what? I think Jesus is asleep in the boat. Sometimes Jesus might be asleep in the boat. But he's going to wake up. And he's going to wake up just in time. And he's going to wake up and he is going to help you. That's right. He is. He. Come on up here, honey. <laughs> he is not afraid. Jesus ain't scared as we would say in Deer Park, Texas. He is not scared, and neither should we be. The reason that we shouldn't be scared is because He loves us. Perfect love will do what for you? It, that's right. It Y'all have been taught pretty well. This guy's good. Listen, it, if, you, if you are scared, you haven't been perfected in love. Look, and anybody... Fear can jump up. That's not what we're saying. That's not what the Bible's saying. But we're, we, have to, we just have to know that he loves us. And see, the, the whole world is in a test. And we're in a test. And we're confused sometimes about what the test really is all about. Because we think the test is, uh, God, I'm not sure you love me. And this situation that you've got me in has got me saying, I'm not sure you love me. But you are, uh, as Brother Osteen would say, if the cat's rubbing the fur the wrong way, you need to turn the cat around because the cat is what's wrong here. God is the one that's doing what's right. He is the one that has accomplished it all. He has uh, Jesus on the cross. The last thing he said was the word, to Telestai, it is finished, it is paid in full. Healing is paid in full. Salvation is paid in full. Everything that God has done and wants to do is paid in full. He has given, and Jeremy quoted it, this too, everything, everything, or maybe it was the 
the young lady singing. But it may be both of them. But everything, everything that God has given us, He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He has given it through exceeding great and precious promises whereby He has given us the divine nature. He has given you the ability to learn how to love. Yeah, amen or oh me. But He's given us the ability to learn how to love, and we can learn how to love. We can learn, we can learn to let Jesus love through us. We can learn to love, and that is so, 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 so good. So we have to, we have to accept. We have to, oh no, now my computer shut off, of course. It'll come back. So we have to accept the Word of God. We have to begin to understand. We have to come to place of a deep abiding trust. That's how we walk. That's how we will walk by faith. Uh, if you'll turn to uh, Acts chapter 20. There it is. Acts chapter 20. Now let me, now let me find what I'm going to say. About did I say verse 24? Okay, now I did. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, But none of these things move me. Paul, Paul has just been told that, you know, he's, he's trouble awaiting him in Jerusalem. He's going to be He's going to be bound by the Jews. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race my joy, with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel is the gospel of the grace of God. The grace of God is the greatest secret weapon that has ever been invented by anyone anywhere. There were, there were two races created, one an angelic race, right? Are y'all out there? There was an angelic race. There is an angelic race. And, and they, uh, what did they do? They messed up. Man, they were right, right there at the throne, and, and they messed up, and that wasn't very smart. It was stupid. But... There was another race called the human race. Yeah, that's us. And man, the first one messed up, and now the second one messed up. Man, what is going on? Huh? Tell them to quit it, right? Come on. Come on. What's wrong with you people? Your God is a perfect God, and yet you keep messing up. But he gave the second race, he gave them... The secret weapon. And the secret weapon is grace. Most Christians are trying to live the Christian life without the grace of God. You're trying to live it because in, in your, your uh, you know, it's great that you're trying. But you can never live up to what God has done. Only the one who has promised can fulfill the promises that he has made. And he, this is, we've just said, 
He has made exceeding great and precious promises, giving us the divine nature. And so we, we can't live up to that, but grace can help us live up to that. And then verse 25, and indeed now I know that, that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. The, king, the gospel of grace is the kingdom of God. You don't have to separate them anymore. They're the same. The kingdom of God is the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace is good news. Turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel. That is the good news. You know it. Greek word euangelion means good news. It's where we get the word evangelist. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is not just a story. It is a story, but it's way more than a story. It is power. It is the power of God. The power of God is what we need. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is in it, verse 17 says, I skipped over, in it the righteousness of God is revealed. Now when I first when I first uh, started, Susan and I started going to Lakewood Church in Houston, and John Osteen was the pastor, and Joel was a little kid, well, he was a young teenager. And and I wanted I wanted so strongly I want to understand my salvation. I want to understand it. I want to know. I want to I want to understand. I just I don't want to just say, hey, I'm saved. I want to know about it. And and so the Lord led me, of course, to the book of Romans. So in the good news. The, the ancient Greek word for gospel was the news of the victory of a battle. So the news of the victory of a battle is the power of God. There has been a battle, and God won, and Jesus won, and we have this power available to us, and it reveals the righteousness of God. That's what it reveals. I like what the uh, I like what the Amplified says. Jeremy taught me how to use these about four years ago. I almost know how. Oh, what? While while ago, Jeremy had a picture up there, and I looked at that picture, and I said, "Man, that's the same shirt I've got on tonight." <laughs> That picture was four years old. So what I can tell you is I've lost some weight because I can wear it again. Because I couldn't wear it for a long time. <laughs> that that was funny. It says, but anyway, in the in the amplified trans power, there's the power. Okay, so which which clock am I going by? Is it do I have do I have seven hours and forty three minutes or? Huh? 18 minutes? Oh my gosh.
And obviously, I'm not either. So, <coughs> Amplified version, verse 17, it says this. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith. The righteousness of God is revealed springing from faith and leading to faith. Now, most people read righteousness of God. I'm, I'm not sure we, I, I don't think I knew for a long, long time. I still not know fully, but I'm, I'm learning. But the righteousness of God is the value of his character. The value of his character in the gospel, the value of God's character is revealed. And, that's the, and that, is the, that is the gospel to which he ascribes. If you're, if you're a carpenter, I know there's one, there could be others. When you, get, when you get over into a corner or an outside corner or an inside corner, that's, that's painted, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> I should have got my glasses on. But there is, there are inside corners. And when you get to, y'all are having too much fun. No, that's okay. But there is a, there is a corner over here. And whenever you get to a corner, you have two pieces and you want to try to close the gap so that they, that they're small so that the, you don't overwork the painter because you don't want painters overworked. You're a carpenter, you want, it, you, know, you want to do it right for them. And you have to scribe the piece. Sorry. That is not the Lord. <laughs> so you have to scribe and make a, make a line on that piece of material and cut it by that line so that when you slide it up, it'll be plumb on the outside edge, but it, and it'll cover all the cracks on the... On the inside of the corner. And that's the righteousness that God ascribes to. Because His righteousness will cover all of the cracks of yours and mine. And so, we have to learn to live out of His righteousness and not ours. And that's that's hard. But we can do it because He's helping. See, that's the problem. From, from the beginning of time, Adam tried to do it by himself. From the beginning of time, we try to do it by ourselves, And you can't do it by yourself. You have to have the grace of God. You have to have God. He's got to be with you. You've got to let him help. You've got to always go back no matter what happens. You have to turn your heart back to him because he knows, he knows that you want to anyway. So don't be afraid and just do it. And so... He ascribes and he takes out all the cracks. If we had a basketball, if you know me very much, I love to fish and I love to play basketball. And if I had a basketball and I put it at the at the ceiling, at the ceiling height in here, the potential energy would be greater if I dropped it from there than if I dropped it from right here. God's righteousness is much further apart than those two little objects right there. God's is all the way to the top. There's, 
there is more energy to get things done. There is more life to get things done in God's righteousness than there is in any other righteousness that you may ascribe to. Forget your, forget, we need to forget our works done in our self-righteousness, but we need to follow after the Lord and follow His righteousness. Go to Romans 3, 21. We're, we're jumping across some of the mountains in the book of Romans, in case you're wondering. Verse 21 and 22. says, but now, and you, if, you, if you will read through the book of Romans, you will be surprised, maybe. Maybe you won't, but you shouldn't be after tonight. But you'll be surprised how many times this phrase comes up. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe the righteousness of God is for those who believe in Jesus Christ so God is outfitting you with the everybody say the ruling force of the universe he is outfitting you with the ruling force of the universe his righteousness his righteousness psalm 89:14 says that his righteousness establishes his throne. Psalm, uh, not Psalm, Isaiah. There's the free man. I finally found him. Isaiah, Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Jesus says that Jesus put a cloak of righteousness on in it, and it helped, it helped him accomplish his ministry. Ministry sustaining Righteousness is found in the righteousness of God, not in yours and mine. The ministry of Jesus was upheld and and set to where everywhere it had to be and had to go because of the righteousness of God and His Father. And so, verse 25. I'll read verse 24. Being justified freely. By His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, which means a satisfaction of justice, by His blood, through faith, to demonstrate. What what was God demonstrate in Jesus? His righteousness. He was not demonstrating any other righteousness but His own. If you read the book of Proverbs, you will find that the book of Proverbs, over and over and over again, says, Righteousness tends to life. It has always been God's method of salvation is righteousness. It has always been righteousness. It will never change, but it it is not anyone else's but His. His is the only one that can save you when you get to the gates of heaven and you say, Lord, let me in. If you don't have His righteousness, you're not getting in. And how do you get it? Can you earn it? I don't think so. I couldn't. (laughs) Of course, I didn't try probably nearly as hard as you did. You can't earn it. You can't gain it. You have to receive it. Then verse 
verse, uh, that was verse 25, verse 26. Uh, yeah, that's right. It says, and he says it again, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So if God, listen, this is a trick question. I always ask trick questions. The answer is usually real easy. If God was demonstrating his righteousness when Jesus was on the cross, what gift was he offering? Trick question. I told you. Who said that? Some bold person. Oh, was that the free man? Oh, oh, Dwayne. But not just any righteousness, right? The gift that God was offering was his righteousness. Not anything less. Nothing less will do. Nothing, nothing less can put you in a position to see miracles. I came back from Romania a few years ago, and God said, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, that Jesus told the, told the apostles, he said, you should become somebody that nothing is impossible to. We should, the church, we should be a church, Ardmore, the church worldwide. We should be a people that there is nothing impossible for us to do because the impossible working God has given us his life and put it on the inside. And we can do whatever he says we can do if we will just accept it, believe it, act on it. And, and uh, Wednesday night, you know, is Believer's Night. Believers come on Wednesday night. I love Wednesday night. Because I can say almost anything. Okay. Did I say turn to Romans chapter 4? Well, we got all the way to chapter 4. And this, and this is, oh, this is, this is so good. This is so good. Romans chapter 4, verse 6. says, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. This is a special Greek word. It is a, it is a, Who's a bookkeeper? Any bookkeepers? Oh, come on. Man. I guess it's you. <laughs> I guess it's you because so many times it was Susan. Because <laughs> we didn't have anybody else. So what did he say in verse 6? He says he imputes. In verse 6 it says he imputes righteousness. In verse 8, he says, he shall not impute sin. Now, let me read to you. There are several definitions of this word. Like I said, it's a bookkeeping word. But along with that 
is a special definition that it has. And it says that to impute is having the like force and weight. Having like force and weight. God has given us the like force and weight of His righteousness. That's really good. And the the cherry on top is, He shall not lay on you the force and like weight of your sin. Look. Let's, let's, uh, there's a lot, there's a very, very, very much confusion about grace. And grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is not an excuse to do whatever you want to do. But if you've come to God and you mean business with God, He is saying to you that I am not laying on you the weight and force of your sin, but I am laying on you the weight and the force of who I am and what I am, the righteousness of the whole universe. That's what He has done for you. I hope you're getting it. Five verse seventeen. Chapter five verse seventeen. Okay. Maybe we're in here some. wish we had time to go through all of these chapters, but of course it would only take about six or seven weeks at least. Verse, did I say verse 17? It says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. What do you want to reign over? Well, we want to reign over sin, right? So what do you have to do? You have to receive abundance of grace. When when God told Abraham, look, I'm calling you, I'm calling you to have faith before me and your, your, uh, your relatives are going to be like the sand of the sea. All God was trying to do to get him to believe to have one baby. But God threw out so much grace. That's why the sky is the limit. Justification is is an open heaven. Being declared not guilty before God is an open heaven for you to go into the throne room, just as Jeremy said, to go into the throne room and ask God. The worst time for Christians To ask God is when you just made a boo-boo, right? And maybe y'all never made one. Well, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Man, that clock moves off. All right, so I'm going to go through these. Probably get through them. Grace does not excuse your sin. It does not accuse you of sin. 
You might want to write them down. I don't know. Does not relieve you of good works. Does not exalt your good works. Grace will inspire you to work, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15.10. The reason that I do so much and I do more than the other apostles is because it's the grace of God that is on me that moves me to work and do the ministry of the gospel that God had given him. Known unrepented sin will hinder grace. You know, uh, I love Mercy Me. The, you know, they sing the song, uh, you know, Grace, It Doesn't Matter. I've heard it. It's a great song, but it does matter. And so if we, if we sin, we got to repent. And, and, and that's what he wants. He wants you to come back. So unrepented sin will hinder grace. Self-righteous good works will... Hinder grace. Grace must be entered by faith. Grace is your sufficiency, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Grace is your inheritance, Acts 20, 32. Grace, strength, and weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 10. We will find continuing grace. Grace is added. According to James chapter 4, verse 6, through humility. So humility, because grace is always entered by faith, humility is an act of faith. You humble yourself before God and before people. Humility is God-centered, others-minded. Grace will be added to you so that you can do less, more. So you can do more. So we have to have humility. Sometimes we don't see it right off. Sometimes we have backdoor pride and, and we got to get rid of all of that. But uh, then grace, grace is multiply, multiplied through the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace, grace is imparted through your lips. Don't forget that part. Grace, grace has to be imparted through your lips so it can edify those that hear you. And so we have to be speaking. What do we have to be speaking? The gospel. The book of Revelation says that the, that the, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension on high, the sprinkling of blood on the holy of holies is a prophecy. It is the spirit of all prophecy. It is the world. I said it earlier. I meant to say this. But the world is on trial. We are the witnesses at the trial. We will either convict or help them overturn. They have to hear our testimony. Our testimony has to be given in the court of law, the earth itself, the, the world. So be looking, be looking. There is somebody, there is somebody near us. I've been praying. You know, I'm, a, I'm not really an evangelist. But I've been praying, God, make me an evangelist. Make me an evangelist. Help me to 
just get out of my mind it's a minute and 26 seconds. I'm, I'm almost through, Jeremy. I'm about to quit. Grace, this, <laughs> this one is very important. Grace is the tool by which the church is to take on the devil. Isn't that what Paul said? He said, hey, I've got this messenger of Satan over here. He's kicking my butt. Come on, let me, help me out here, God. Grace is sufficient. When you're weak, you're strong. Grace, grace is, grace is God's, this is, <clears throat> there's only one thing wrong with this definition I'm about to give, is that when Brother Dwayne gave it, I didn't do it first. Grace is the power of God to be and do what you can't be and do. That's what it is. That's why you got to have it. Because we can't do squat without Him. Without Him, we are nothing. We have to, we have to give it to Him. Then, and then, last thing. Jesus. Proverbs. How about Hebrews 2.9? Hebrews 2.9 says that Jesus tasted death. This is the ultimate. Jesus tasted death. If you were just going to make a wild guess, after all this talking tonight, what do you think the word would be that plugs in that Jesus, that this one word caused Jesus to be able to taste death? Somebody come on. Grace! Yes! Jesus tasted death by the grace of God for every man. You know how it happened? Read John 17, the most miraculous prayer ever prayed in all the, of all the prayers anywhere, everywhere of all time and all ever will be. The greatest prayer, 20 minutes later, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was sweating blood and about to die. And I've heard doctors and preachers all my life since I was six or seven years old say, he could have died. He could have died. Jesus could have physically died before he got to the cross. But you know why he didn't? Because he humbled himself. You know, he, he was, you know, his first answer was mine. Uh, is there a second penny up there? Come on, hello. But he realized, hey, this is why I came. He humbled himself. God added grace. The angels came, ministered to him, and he lived through the hell all the next day and the cross. And here we are today. Man, Jesus did exactly what we have to do. He's not asking you to do something that he didn't do. In fact, his case was a whole lot harder than ours. We don't have the sin of the whole world laying on top of us. But he did. Man. So, so I want to challenge you. If you're, if you're not a layer on of hands, 
for the sick to be healed. I want you, I want to challenge you today that you will take up the challenge. You will take up the take up the word of God. You will, because you believe in the name of Jesus, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you won't worry about it whether it happens or not before you do it or after. But you're going to charge. You're going to charge into the battle. God, the kingdom of God has called you to be a warrior for Him. And listen, there's enough charismatic churches in this country. We can, we can turn the world upside down just like the apostles. If we'll just take the name, if we'll take the grace. So, so I just, if everyone would just close your eyes just a moment. Y'all are... Y'all are so sweet and kind to listen. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus as Lord, you've never been born again, that you've never accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, and you would like to do that if, if you would raise your hand tonight, anybody. Didn't really think there would be anyone, but it's okay, I want to ask. Even at, even at Lowe's, they teach you, you make the offer. You can't make them take it. So, we, so we're going to be at least as smart as the employees of Lowe's. But the, the next is that Jesus was... Jesus was Described by John the Baptist two ways. He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the other way is, he said, Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Ghost. So that power can flow through you. So that Jesus can give to you his ministry. That's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants every one of us, every Christian everywhere to enter into his ministry. And, and, and Jeremy and Mandy, they, they are awesome. And, and, and y'all have a balanced ministry. You look after the least. Do your best to try to help the least. You try to help the lost. And you believe in praying for the sick. Balanced ministry. It's a ministry of Jesus. That's what he did. And so if you don't know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or you know and you would like to know more. Or you would like to be prayed for. Or you never spoke in tongues after you were prayed for. To receive the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that there are some people here that will help you out. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask you in Jesus' name that, that you will stir us, that we will stir ourselves, that we will do everything that you want us to do, Lord. We want to we get it all accomplished. So we thank you that you're helping us. We thank you. Lord, so I just thank you that you're filling the church with the Holy Ghost. You're filling the church with the power of God. For our faith doesn't rest in enticing words, but Lord, it rests in your 
power. And we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, amen and amen. He made, a, he made a call. And if you're needing prayer tonight, there's no better moment than this. There's no better moment than to, to allow believers to stand with you. To allow us to stand with you in agreement for the fight that you're going through. Or the release of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. There's no better time than now. So if that's you tonight, before we, before we dismiss, if that's you tonight, it takes boldness. It takes pushing away because everything within you, the enemy on the inside of you, is telling you just sit there. Don't look like a fool. Just sit there. Nobody, nobody will know. Just sit there. You don't want these people knowing that, that you're not, you don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You don't, you don't want the people to know that you need, you need help. You got this. You're holding it together. But it's a lie. The father of lies. We want to stand with you. And it takes boldness. That's you tonight and you need prayer. You need somebody to stand with you. We're here now. That's you. Come on down. I'm okay being uncomfortable and quiet. Again, if I've learned anything from Jacob, it's to be okay and sit here in an awkward silence. Because I know, I know there's somebody here tonight. I'm not going to manipulate. I'm not going to push. But I know there's too much stuff going on in our lives. Lord, we just, we just honor you tonight. Lord, I thank you that what you're doing on the inside of us is what you want to do on the outside of us. God, I thank you that as we, as we begin to, to trust your word, as we begin to just simply even hear what word, the word that was spoken tonight and put it into play in our own lives. To put it into play in, our, in the lives of our family, of our friends, of our co-workers. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you that you're pulling something from the inside of us. You're pulling us as a church to a, to a walk with you like we've never experienced before. Lord, I thank you that... You are the father of wisdom. You are the father of strength. And that if we ask, you pour it out. You pour out the wisdom. You pour out the strength. You pour out through your Holy Spirit. 
the power to defeat the enemy in our lives. We can't do it on our own. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your guidance. I just thank you for your direction. I thank you as we leave this place tonight. Mighty angels are encamped around our homes, around our vehicles. As kids are in school or or they're at home doing distance learning, Lord, I thank you that they experience Jesus in a real and everlasting way. I thank you that the weapons that formed against us cannot prosper. I thank you, God, that the enemy is defeated in our lives because we put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. We honor you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Be blessed. Have an incredible week. We'll see you on Sunday morning.